0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnyTime.com. Welcome back, everyone. This week we're going to do Pasha's Lachlcha. And Lachlcha, we're introduced to the Avos. We're, and this takes us all the way through till the end of Sefer Brasius. So I'd like to say something in general about all the Avos and the role that they play in the history of the Jewish people. It's a very interesting thing that the Avais seem to um, disappear off the stage of the of the chumash after a certain point. Avram Avinu, we know, he lived to be one hundred and seventy-five years. After the akeda, the akeda, he was one hundred and thirty-seven years. Three years later. Uh, he sent Eliezer to Choron to find the wife of Yitzchak. At that point, he was 140 years. And that's it. We don't hear anything more about Avram. So 140 till 175, 35 years of his life, we don't hear anything about him. What did he do for those 35 years? He must have done things that were significant, things that were important. Why, do we, why does he disappear for the last... 35 years of his life. Similarly, Yitzchak, um, you know, Parshas tells us, we read that when Yitzchak was old, he gave the brachas, he wanted to give it to Yakov Yaakov took them. How old was he at that point? So, um, we know that Yitzchak lived to be 180 years old. At that point, Rashi says, he was 123 years old, because a person is supposed to worry about death five years before his par- the, the age at which his parent died, and five years afterwards. For instance, if a person's um, father died at age 85, so when this person reaches 80, he has to start worrying. And when he, the first five years, then the next five years, when he reaches 90, he has to worry till then once he reaches 90 he can relax, he's clear so Saru died when she was 127 so Yitzchak at that point was 123 which was in the 5 years before his mother died so he was concerned that he might die therefore he decided to give the brachas so he was 123 years old When when he died he was 180 years old so just do the mass that's 57 years 57 years the last 57 years of a life, of his life we don't know anything about him except there's one Pesach in Pashas of Yeshev if the Yosef is sold so the pasuk says aviv, which you would think the pasuk means that Yaakov was crying over Yosef but Rashi brings that that this refers to Yitzchak the Yitzchak cried along with Yaakov Okay, that's the only fleeting mention of Yitzchak after, um, after the point where he gives the brachas. 57 years of his life, we don't hear anything about him. On the other hand, Yaakov, we follow him all the way onto his deathbed till the very last moment of his life. Why is this? Also, Avram. What was the greatness of Avram? Everyone knows Avram was the one who recognized the Rabban He lived in a world of Avay Dezora. He smashed the idols. He declared for the whole world that uh, the Rabban Yishleilam is, is God. There are no other gods. He allowed himself to be thrown into the Kiv Shana He had to hide for um, Rashi says in Avais, in the 5th Perik, all the He was hiding out somewhere underground at a cave for 13 years. Um, all these things. This is what was. This is what Avram is. Avram is the one, Amudah Shel Oyelam, like the Rambam says, the pillar of the world who, who stood up against Avaydazara. None of this is in the Psukim. When we meet Avram, Pashas Lecholcha for the first time, except for the last Psukim of uh, of Nayach, where he got married to Sarah. But other than that, when we meet Avram, he comes on the stage. He's seventy-five years old. What happened to all the things that he did before? Why don't they appear in the Torah? Why aren't they there? So I would like to offer a solution. There are two different there are two things when we talk about um, there's something called mice of a similar Ma'is Mice of Similabhanam means that the things that the is do. Those are indications for their descendants. So uh, some some svarim explain this, on, uh, like in a mystical sense, that they yeah I, I'm, I'm not going to get into the mysticism, but there's a Pashto of also myself is similar Whatever they do establishes a certain a certain way of life, a certain um, midos for the, for their children. Myself is similar bonim. Now there are two different things. There's something called Sipure Tzaddikim that if you hear stories about Tzaddikim then you could learn from them a Musa Haskell. You see this is how a tzaddik behaved, and you say that's a wonderful thing, you know maybe I should also do that. And there's something else called Ma'i Sova which is more than Sipure Tzaddikim. Ma'i Sova means that this is what our ancestors did, this is what our others did, and that was instilled in our nation, in our people, and therefore, this is what I have to do, because that's who I am. So there's a big difference between sipure tzaddikim. when you talk about it, you could say Sipurei Tzadikim, but Aaron, let's say. Aaron was the of Shalom, right of Shalom, fantastic, we read about this, we learn about this. So we should also be right of Shalom. Why? Because we should emulate a tzaddik. Very good. But there's no koyach that Aaron had the Gemara says in Brachas, Ain of the Beis, that, The only ones who are great enough to be called Oves were Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. The heads of the Shvotim did not have the power of being Oves. Only the only these three, first of all, they were for the whole people, and also because they were greater. The Gemara says, hani They were greater. The Oves were the greatest, and they had the power... Through force of personality, through the tzitzkes, through the the way they brought up their families and their households, they had the power to instill in the in, in the, the the fledgling ummah all the midas that that they worked on. Avram is still the mitzvah of Chesed, so this became you know people like to use the the, the language the DNA of the Jewish people. Um, I, I, mean, I can say that, but I don't mean it in the medical sense. I mean it in the social sense, that the that, that the, the 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 social body, the collective body of the Jewish people, has built into it chesed, and therefore we all are inclined to chesed. We because that's what Avram Vinu instilled in us, not not through any kind of scientific way, just through through chinuch, and that chinuch was so powerful that it goes on till today, that's called Avoys. Their work goes on for the entire duration of the Jewish people. Is, uh, isn't there chazar Rahman and B'ayshanam um, become a Yeah, right. Same,
1: that's yeah,
0: that's what we are. We are. Th- th- these are things that were, these are midas that are instilled in all Jewish people. That means that, now, now it doesn't have to be, it could be a ger, a ger could become uh, could, could become part of Klal Yisrael. He uh, attaches himself and becomes integrated to the collective of the Jewish people. And I don't know for him, maybe his children, maybe him after let's say a number of years, then all those midas apply to him as well. Because if he's part of the Jew or if it's part of the Jewish people, then those midas apply to him. Those midas are intrinsic in the Jewish people, and these were established. By the others. On the other hand, Aaron's roid of Sholem, That's not intrinsic to us that we are roid of Sholem. In fact, the Jewish people are quite a fractious people, and you know, it's not part of us to be pacific. And you know, but because it was, it's a wonderful midah. We look at it, we learn from it, we should emulate it. But that's all it is. What the others did is instilled in us. So the Torah. When the, so when did Avram Avinu become an Av? When did he become an Av? When did he get this Koyach of my service, them, that everything he did would be instilled in the, in the Jewish people? He became an Av in the second Pesach of Lech Lecha. He said, Lech Lecha Lavram, mm-hmm. Lech Lecha Mi'atzacha, Ve'ezcha Legoy Godoyol. At this point... Rabbi Hashem says, you are in the process of building a great nation. So even though Yitzchak wasn't born yet, but the process began already, and everything that Avram did from this point on was myself a similar bond. How long was Avram an Av? Avram was an Av until Yitzchak took over. Once Yitzchak took over, Avram was not an Av anymore. And Yitzchak was an Av until Yaakov t- took over. When Yaakov took over, then Yaakov became the Av, the mantle passed from Yitzchak to Yaakov, and therefore Yaakov was the not Yitzchak. And you see this in the Psukim. It says, when, when uh, Yaakov left, in the beginning of Kiseitse, so Rabban Shalom comes to him and says, Ani Avram avicha He doesn't say Yitzchak Avicha, he says Yitzchak. But when Yaakov is in Vayishlach, when he says, Then he refers to Yitzchak as Ovi already. Why? Because you cannot call the Ovis an Av until they complete their mission successfully. If they're only halfway into the mission, and who knows if they're going to succeed or fail, then you can't call them an Av. They have choices, they have Bechira. But once their mission is completed, once they pass the baton to the next Av, then... You could look at the, at the completeness of the, of their their term as being av and it was a success, therefore, you could call him av so when Yaakov was leaving to go to Haran, Yitzchok was still in the process of being an av he was his His term did not end until Yaakov got married and established his own family and he became the av for the for the future generations, so at that point it says like okay you can 't call him okay avi Yitzhook because because uh, he, was not, he was not an Av yet. But once he got married and he, and he established his family and he produced the next generation and he continued the work of being the Av, then Yaakov became the Av, then Yitzchak was no longer Av, then you could call him el Yavi Yitzchak because his term as Av was completed. So Avram... Is an Av until Yitzchok becomes an Av. Yitzchok is an Av until Yaakov becomes an Av. But Yaakov is an Av all the way to the end of his life. He had no successors. and an Av, Elo he had no successors. So Yaakov is an Av all the way to the end of his life. And everything that he did... Uh, so whatever Avram did after, after uh, Yitzchok became the Av, that was no longer myself a similar bondage. He wasn't an Av anymore. That's Sipurit Yitzhakim. Whatever Yitzhak did the Yaakov became Av, then it's also not myself a similar bondage. It's just Sipurit Sadikim. What Yaakov did all the way to the end of his life is myself a similar bonim because he had no successor. So he was the Av all the way to the end. When did Avram become an Av? We said he became an Av in here when he, when he said Eschol godel. So everything that he did before when he allowed himself to be thrown into the Kiv and when he declared the Achtus the, the Raborei, all these things he did that as a Tzaddik not as an Av so everything that he did before is Sipuri Tzaddikim everything that he did from this point on until Yitzhak supplanted him is myself a similar bond. the Torah does not want to tell you Sipuri Tzaddikim about the avites. The Torah only wants to tell you myself a similar To make a clear delineation. This is myself a similar Because myself my a similar is a much greater mechayev. It puts much more responsibility on us. But you, you see that Sadiq did something and you should learn from it. You did, you didn't. Okay, but you should have fine. But if this is myself and similar the bonum, that this is who you are, and this is built into your Neshama, and this is built into Qal soil. if you don't do that, so you're betraying yourself, you're, you're, you're not true to who you are. That is a much bigger responsibility to do myself and similar bonum If Avram, we have instilled in Kali Yisrael chesed, if you're not about chesed, then, then, then you're a living lie, because you are supposed to be chesed, and you're not being true to yourself. So that is a much greater burden of responsibility on us, when we read about the Ovis in Torah Shem to see only myself in them so it's very clear that anything it says about the Ovis in, in, in safe vibrations, anything it says about them is who we are. And therefore, we need to be true to ourselves. Anything else that we know about about other tzaddikim or about the others when they did not, were not operating as others, those are sippurit tzaddikim. And they're not as great an imperative as myself, a similar banim. Okay, so let's move on a little bit. So, One of, the, one of the, the ordeals, one of the nesiones of, of Avram was that uh, he came to Canaan and there was a, fa- a famine and he had to go down to Mitzrayim. He had to go down to Egypt and the uh, sorrow was beautiful and he was afraid that they would kill him and take her. So he told her, to say that you are my sister. They should do good to me because of you and I will live because of you. I will survive. What is my yitavli b'avurech? Rashi says, yitnuli that will give me presence. So this needs explanation. What is, Avram needed presence. What is he saying? So I think this can be explained by what we spoke about last week. We spoke about the Gemara and Soita, about Chain, the idea of Chain. Chain means that, that, um, that you see everything in a good light and you don't you overlook the flaws and the shortcomings so one of the chinim one of, that we spoke about was when you buy something till you buy it you question it you look at you compare this and that once you buy it it's the best and it's the cheapest and it's the, this is it's, it's perfect why because once you've invested in it once you've bought it, you, you actually put out the money and you bought it. Then all of a sudden, it has chayin, and you look at it in a favorable light, and you, you don't look, you look away from the flaws. Avram is coming down to Mitzrayim, and he's telling them a story that this is my sister. Now, maybe they accept it, maybe they don't, but you know, a little suspicious, and he was worried that because of that suspicion, they may they may actually you know, turn against him. Maybe in the beginning they'll say, okay, she's your sister, but after a while they'll say, what well, sister, you know, it's not, they'll be suspicious. But if they give him matonis, if they give him matonis, that means they they invest in his story. He comes down, this is my sister, and we give him Matonus. I once they give him Matonus, they've bought into it. And once they've bought into it, any suspicion they may have will dissipate. That's what everyone that's what wanted. He didn't care about the matanis. He wanted them to buy into his story. And once they buy into his story, he knows it will be safe. They should give me matanis. Then I will survive because of you. If they give me matanis, then my survival is assured because they bought into it and gonna, any suspicion they had will be allayed. That's what I'm saying. Now, To go a little bit further, so anyway, Avram doesn't have any children. Avram and Sarah don't have any children, and um, and the Rabbi Shlom promises him that he will have children, and meanwhile, Sarah is not becoming pregnant. She doesn't have children. So she has a shivcha, Her name is Hagar, and she says to Avram, Hine Hashem miladis. Hashem stopped me from giving birth. Come to my shivcha, Come to my my handmaiden. Maybe I will be able to have children through her." Now I just want to say something. There is a certain topic which I will come back to again and again. In in the nineteenth century, there was. Uh, there was something called Bible criticism. Bible criticism was, a, was actually like an anti-Semitic movement. They wanted to, Wellhausen, they wanted to tear down the credibility of the Torah. So they, they had all kinds of... I'm not going to get to, into them here. All kinds of arguments of saying, this can't be, this can't be, this, you know, all different kind of things. And the Torah, they claimed, was we according to us, the Torah was written... Um, 1300 B.C. They claimed that it was written um, maybe 700 or 1,000 years later. They said, oh, this proof, that proof, we can go into them later and, and uh, I will. But at this point, I just want to point out one thing. There's somebody called um, Dr. Kenneth Kitchen, who was he's not alive anymore. He was a professor of orientology and the University of Liverpool and he wrote a book called On the Reliability of the Old Testament and he was he was a very brilliant man and he knew the ancient world extremely well he knew all the ancient languages he could read cuneiform he could read hieroglyphics he was really and he really had the great knowledge of the ancient world so he pointed out I'm just saying what he says and it's really that this thing, this idea that you could have a child through your shivcha, it existed in the ancient world. In in deep antiquity, it existed. In the Babylonian world, it existed. A thousand years later, there was no such custom. Nobody, how would, if the Torah was written uh, 700 or a thousand years later, how would anybody know to make up a custom, which they didn't have any record of it. All the records were in cuneiform tablets. Had, they, you know, the, I don't know if they could read cuneiform, if they had the tablets, they were buried in archaeological sites. These were, these were customs that were not known. And, and uh, here the Torah talks about it. So, which tells you, that the Torah also was written in ancient and in deep antiquity. It was written very, very, very long before they claimed. Now, I'm not, saying Torah was, I'm not saying this is a proof that the Torah was written by Harsinai or this, but certainly in that era, in that era, that's when it was written. That you could see from a number of... I'll, I'll point them out as we go along, but that you could see from these type of customs. You see also when Avram earlier... Avram tells Rabbi Shalom, I have no children, and Ben Meshach Basi is going to inherit. My, 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 uh, how would you say Ben Meshach Basi? My chief of staff is going to inherit. This was also an ancient custom, which was by the time, you know, time of Ezra, it was all gone. So this was also something which is recorded on, on cuneiform tablets. So you see a number of things. That, that the Torah, he, that this according to Dr. Kitchen, he says, when you, when you go into the Bible, you enter the world of the ancient world. There are many things. Yosef was sold for 30, 30, 30 shekel. Like he says, at that time, that was the going price for a slave, was 30 shekel. These are things that could not be known to people, you know, uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later. So there are many, many indications in the text the Torah was written at the time it claims to have been written. As I just wanted to point this out, we'll come back to this from time to time, but it's an important thing to know. So here she, Sarah has this idea that according to ancient custom, um, you know, if you have uh, a slave and you give her to your husband and she has a child, it's considered your child. So that's what she does. So, what Sarah Sara, Avram is hogar and he gave her to to uh, Avram, and Avram Hagar. He came to her, and she became pregnant. she saw became pregnant. She she had she she um, made light. She lost respect for her mistress. She was uh, insubordinate and disrespectful to Sarah. Sarah got angry. She said. I've I've been robbed here you when you davened for for a child you davened for yourself you should have davened for both of us and now Hagar is going to have your child and I'm going to be left out Hashem will judge between me and between you So, so so Avram says to Sarai so what's her problem her problem is not that 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 Hagar is being disrespectful. Her problem is that Hagar is pregnant and I'm not. So what does Avram tell her? He Take your 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 your, your shivcha and do whatever you want. How does that respond to her problem? He didn't love him for her. How does that respond to that? But now, Sara, Sara. Um, persecutor, I me. Mean she gave her a lot of hard work, but t- and she ran away. But tivrachem pana. Hagar ran out into the fields. Vinsa, Malach found her by by Ain uh, Mayim by Midbarz and Oasis. And he said to her. Vayomer and he said, Hagar, shivchansorai, ein miserbaz v'antelechi, Hagar, the the slave of Sarah. From where are you coming, and where are you going? So Rashi says that he knew where she was coming from, knew where she was going. It's just like breaking the ice. You want to talk to her, so you don't want to start right away. To the thing first, you like small talk. Anyway, so, hey, where are you coming from? What does he say? He says. he just to have like. It's like a uh, you know opening the conversation. Then she said, "Vatoymer," she said, "Lipnei Sora, Givirti, Anoychi Barachas." I'm running away from Sora, my mistress. Vayomer lo Malach Hashem, Shuvil Givirtech, go back. The next, Vayomer lo Malach Hashem, Harba Arbe Yazarich. I'll give you many children, B'lo Yisafim Marayve, so uh, innumerable. You're going to have a son, and his name should be Yishmael. Four times it says, Malach Hashem. Says, malach Hashem, it says, Vayamer. Fine. Malach Hashem. Then it says again, Malach Hashem. Malach Four times. So Rashi says, that on each, each message that she was given, there was a separate Malach. Didn't have one malach to carry all the messages, so this we can understand. He gave her a message: um, go back to your mistress. A message. The first, the second malach told her, you're going to have uh, many, many descendants. Another malach. Next malach tells her, you're going you're going to be pregnant. You're pregnant, and you're going to have a child, and his name is going to be Ishmael. Another message. But the first Malach is only coming there to break the ice. Why do you need a separate Malach for that? They should be, the Malach that broke the ice should go on and tell her, go back. Why do we need a separate Malach for that? So I want to explain this by, without getting into too many of the details, but the Erechayim addresses the question of when Avram took Hagar. And he took her into his house and he had relations with her and she became pregnant. Was she still a slave? Or was she automatically emancipated? See, this is a question. So I think that this will explain the psokin. Hager thought, also Rashi says that she became pregnant from the first relations, which is really like almost a miracle. It's very extremely, extremely rare. So Hagar thought that because she was with Avram and she was carrying his child, that she is emancipated. So she's no longer the slave of Sara. So Sara cannot tell her what to do. So as soon as she became pregnant, she Vatekel She became insubordinate. You, you're not my boss. You're not my mistress. I am a free woman. That's what she thought. And Sara Sarah thought that maybe she is right. Maybe she has a good husband, So Sarah was upset with Avram. What are you doing? Look what you did. You, 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 Hagar became pregnant. Now she's uh, she's a free woman. She's disrespectful to me, and she's going to be the aim of Klal What have you done? So Avram answered her. Avram said to her. So Avram said to her. Don't worry about it. She is still your slave. Do whatever you want with her. So she started working very hard with her. Hagar didn't accept this. What do you mean? You're not my mistress. So she ran away. So the first Malach came to her and said, Hagar Shifcha Sorai, where are you coming from? This was the message. You are not a free woman. You are the slave of Sora. That was the message. The rest of it was, yeah, where are you coming from. Yeah, we are We're starting a conversation, but that was the message of the Malach. You are the slave of Sora. And she said, time she said, "Where are you where are you go, where are you coming from?" She accepted the message of the Malach. The Malach told her that you are a shivcha. So she said. Where am I coming from? I'm running away from Sora, my mistress. So the second malach told her, you must return. The third malach told her, you're going to have many descendants. Each malach is giving you a different message. The first malach gave her a message, you are wrong, just because you became pregnant from Avram, and just because you became, with me, Rishayna, you you became pregnant, it doesn't mean anything. You mis- that doesn't mean that you're free. You're not free. You're still you're still sort of a Okay. I want to conclude with one thing. Um... So afterwards, there was a Muhammad, there was a war. And let me see if I can find it. If not, we could, I'll tell you by heart. there was a war between the kings of uh, Canaan and the kings of Bavil. and the kings that uh, they, you know, they, they uh, rebelled, they didn't pay tribute the kings of Bovel came and they, Light was living at the time, they abducted Light and the entire city of Steyn, all the people and with all their, all their property, they abducted and carrying them off back to Bavel. so they have a pallet well, I'll get into the pilot now. But the pilot came, and he told Avram what happened, and Avram chased after them, and he fought with them, and he rescued the people and all, all the uh, property. So, the, the Melech Sadoim said to Avram, Ten a nefesh kachloch give me back my people and you could take all the wealth which is very telling because he understood that true wealth is is people not money you can have a country like uh, Japan which has hardly any natural resources but has a very industrious people which makes them a rich country so the Malach Steim understood that the most important thing for the future prosperity of Steim is not the bags of gold and silver but it's the people of Steim who are i guess were good workers okay just a side point so Avram says to says to the months time harimay see your day i don't want anything bi khud kanal i don't want to take anything of yours like time I should not say aniya sharti azaram you that you made me rich billadai rakasa akhlanorm except billadai rak that lotion rakasa akhlanorm only what he came to honor Eshkel um, HaMamre, his, his uh, people, his soldiers, that went along, you know, a couple of hundred of them. And uh, they had to eat. So whatever they had to eat, you can reimburse me. You can, from the booty, from the spoils, you can reimburse me. honor hey, Miko let them take... Their, their portion. Normally, you go fight, the soldiers get a portion. Let them take a portion. I don't want a portion. You shouldn't say that you made me rich. So first of all, I don't want anything, not a, not a shoelace, nothing. So first of all, some of Horsham asked that you see Avram uh, didn't have any hesitation of taking matonas from paroi but I think what we said before addressed that because that wasn't for himself. It was just for his safety, to, to make sure that to allay the suspicions so we're not going to talk about that but why why didn't he want to take anything you know let's say Avram would have built him a house build a house so he says okay now I want to pay you for the house he says no don't pay me for the house I don't want you to say made me rich no that's, that doesn't make sense you built him a house you earned the money you're entitled to get it so over here he went and he fought and he recovered the, 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 the wealth. He's entitled to be paid for that. You know, this is a job. Why shouldn't he get paid for that? Why is that called cool that you that you know you can hire mercenaries to do that and you pay them? This is the, this he was not obligated to do that. He went and recovered them, and, and the money and the people. So pay him. Why can't you pay him? Let's say okay, let's say, fine, I don't want to take money. But there's a, there's a, a certain concept which appears in the Gemara and Chul and and Alef, in Chulin, Daf and Aleph, in Zvachim Daf Other places it's called Mishtar shilei, that if I save money, it's as if as if I got money. If if uh, the tax collector came to my house and took my meiser for my taxes, so then I have to re- reimburse miser. because. Since I don't have to give the miser, so it's as if I sold the miser. That's, it's called Ishtarshle. I benefited by saving money. Avram would have had to pay his people. And by them taking uh, a part of the spoils, then Avram saved a lot of money, much more than a shoelace. Why didn't he have a problem with that? All these people, the Cheleka and they all went. They weren't all, I mean, maybe they're all such tzaddikim, they do L'shem Shemayim, but, you know, Pashat, they, they, they needed to be paid. They went and they fought. They needed to be paid. Why wasn't that a problem? There was much more money in Avron's pocket now because those people are taking money from the spoils. So Avram is becoming rich because of the of Zadim. Why do they have a problem with that? So I think the Pashat's like this. Avram says, "Bilodai." There's a difference between a soldier and a general regarding the spoils of war. A soldier is entitled to to a share in the spoils of war. He's like a laborer. He works, he has a job, he did his job, he's entitled to get paid. He punched his clock, he went, he did, yeah. He gets paid. A general doesn't get paid for the time he put in. A general gets paid for the victory. You won you're entitled to, to a share. Not for, for how much time I spent, how much shoe leather I used up, for, for your general, you were victorious, you're entitled to a share. The soldiers, on the other hand, is not for the result. Of course, if there's not going to be a victory, they may end up being dead and they won't get anything. But the reason why they're getting a, uh, uh, getting a share in the spoils is because they worked. And because of the work, they're laborers, they need to get paid for that. So Avram says that you're telling me that I should be, I should take money. Why? Because I was the victor because I was had a great victory here. Belodai. What does the word belodai mean? The word belodai appears once more in Pasha's Mikes. When Parai tells Yosef, I want you to interpret my dream because I heard that you know how to interpret dreams. So Yosef says, Biladai, I'm going to look for it now. He says, Biladai, it's not from me. It's coming from Hashem. It's not that I have this great talent of interpreting dreams. It's coming from Hashem. So he says over here also, I had a victory. There was a, quite a like, a I have a victory. This was not a normal thing. This came below day. It wasn't me. It came from Hashem. I'm not entitled to anything. If you give me anything, it's a gift. I don't want your gifts. But Masha, the Orem, regardless of it was, but my, my men, they worked, they went, they, they walked, they put in the time. They are entitled to a share. They are definitely entitled to a share. Pay them what they deserve. You want to pay me because I was victorious? Belodai, it didn't come from me. That came from the Urbana I don't deserve anything. Thank you very much. I hope to see you all again next week. And we'll do Pashat Vayera. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com